Pilot TV podcast this week. We are live at the London Podcast Festival. <laughs> Thanks for coming out. I'm James Dyer, and uh, welcome to this, our very first live show, and a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for all of you to be sort of James Blaine television live <laughs> in the flesh, um, which is nice for you. Uh, you'll also get to see the kind of array of facial expressions that Terry goes through just before she yells at me at the top of her voice. That'd be, that'd be good too. And you might get to meet one of Boyd's Celebrity friends in the flesh. So we'll see. Uh, steady? Steady. <laughs> we're getting ahead of ourselves. We're getting ahead of ourselves because on the Pilot TV podcast this week, we will be catching up with Line of Duty's Roshenda Sandal for Netflix's interrogation drama Criminal, donning stupid wigs and heading off to chambers for the Beeb's baby barrister comedy, Defending the Guilty, and doing our level best to reduce our degrees of Kevin Bacon by watching his new show, Boston set crime drama City on a Hill. Uh, now, it should come as very little surprise that I'm not doing this here on my own. Uh, my loyal co-hosts are waiting in the wings, having given up their, uh, their Friday nights to be, you know, patronised live on stage, which is, which is, again, nice for them. Having done their level best to replace me with a pair of uh, semi-intelligible millennials over the past couple of weeks, uh, uh, I am, thankfully, back. Uh, so, first up, a lady whose dulcet tones you will soon be... Uh, wooed by, in, let's be honest, probably including the words bell and end. Um, she hails from a small mining town in the north of England where TV consists pretty much exclusively of, uh, of Shane Meadows dramas and reruns of uh, Law and Order SVU. It's Terry White! Hello. Hello, Terry. You don't need to... It's fine. Distance is good. Distance is good. Why? Well, for oh, my own sanity, yes. distance is good. That volume you thing, right? Directly. It's fine. Okay. You don't need to do it through there. Now, uh, I've done some research. I've, done, I've found something else. Would you, would you like to know what it is? Go on. So, uh, I did some research this week into the, uh, the origin of the word bellend. Oh! Is it just a picture of your face? <laughs> No, although, and I will digress slightly, which is great in the first few minutes of the podcast, but once uh, Chris Hewitt uh, put a picture of me next to the word cunt in the Oxford English Dictionary in the Empire office, every time the subs had to look up the word, there was a picture of me going... Uh, why were they... Hang on. Why were the Empire subs looking up the word cunt on a regular basis? You've, you've read the magazine, right? <laughs> Yeah, OK. Um, anyway, anyway, we're digressing, we're digressing. So, 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 Bellin. So, the Oxford English Dictionary... The Oxford English Dictionary describes Bellend as thus. Bellend. Pronounced bellend. Uh, noun, British, vulgar slang. One, the glands of the penis. Two, an annoying or contemptible man. <laughs> Example usage, he is a total bellend. Or in your case, fuck me, you are such a bellend. Um, synonyms, dickhead, cockhead, knobhead. Nobend. Uh, the earliest citation of this was in the 1961 edition of Eric Partridge's Dictionary of Slang and Unconventional <laughs> English. Is anybody else listed, still listening? Fuck me. It's listed with the comparable terms blunt end and red end, which I've never heard, but feel free to make use of that. Cockwomble. Thank you. Uh, but most interestingly, most interestingly, so it turns out that bell end in French means beautiful place. Or near enough that makes no difference. Uh, so really, it's just a sign of the, the sort of admiration you have for me. So that's, uh, if you want that's to take nice. me calling you a bellend every day as a yeah. sign of my love, then you should. I'm going to do that. 
Joining Terry and myself is the third leg of our wobbly table. Uh, this is a man who really is all things to all people. Uh, found an obscure TV show, he's seen it. Uh, read a scathing review, he will find a redeeming feature. Uh, name a well-known celebrity, he will pursue them mercilessly <laughs> and wear them down until they agree to be his friend. Uh, have, I don't know, a central character who undoes seven seasons of character development, does a ridiculous vault fast and sets fire to a city killing every man, woman and child in it. Boyd will defend it to his dying breath. Uh, he is a minor TV celebrity in his own right. Uh, and let's be honest, he is, uh, he is essentially maintaining the symmetry of this little sort of bald white man sandwich we have here. It's Boyd Hilton. <laughs> Thanks. I'm not a fucking stalker. <laughs> so. Yeah, we'll find out about that in a minute. Um, how are you feeling, boy? Are you feeling good about tonight? I'm feeling well, yeah. About ten minutes into your bell end discussion, I was starting to wane. But now, <laughs> now I'm feeling it much more. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie, it's going downhill from here. Yeah, a few thousand words into your script, we're doing well, I think. All right. But before we get on with the show, we do have an additional member of the team this evening. Uh, having spent the past 52 episodes of this show essentially ribbing Boyd relentlessly for being a starfucker, uh, <laughs> we thought it time to prove that he is in fact the confidant to the stars that we've kind of made him out to be. So, uh, so joining us on stage tonight uh, is a man who starred in the likes of Being Human, Looking, Him and Her, Quantico. He is also the star of one of 2019's best shows so far, years and years and long-suffering friend of this guy, uh, it's Russell Tovey! <laughs> hello, 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 hello. How you doing? Russell, welcome to the Pilot TV podcast. Thank you very much. It's so, to be here. It's you have had an amazing career, doing amazing films, amazing TV shows. You've been in one of the best shows of the year so far. And I think the question that everyone here would demand I ask What's it like being friends with Boyd Hilton? <laughs> it's genius. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? He's, he's the loveliest man. Is he though? Thanks. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, on that line, we will uh, move on to what we have been watching. This is where we catch up with how we've been spending our screen time over the past seven days. So, uh, uh, Terry, what soul-destroying dirge have you been... Uh... <laughs> well, <clears throat> so, so I found this thing called River. Which Boyd, I'm looking at you. Oh yeah. So did yeah. anybody? Did anyone watch River? I think it was 2000. BBC One's River. BBC yeah, One's yeah, yeah. River. So James, you'll have to bear with me because it's technically a procedural. Right. Um, but, 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 but it's 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 about this guy, Inspector Jim River, who is suffering guilt and basically PTSD after his partner gets killed. This isn't a spoiler. It happens immediately. But then the mad, it, this mad thing happens towards the end where she, you realise she's a fucking ghost. Spoiler. It's the first episode. Yeah, She's a true. ghost, and it's the premise of the entire thing. So it's proper trippy. He hallucinates all the way through. It's got this mad disco soundtrack. Um, it's just absolutely bonkers. And I watched four episodes the other night in my liking to stay up all night and watch one thing. Um, you would absolutely fucking hate every minute of it. Excellent. Um, it's a bit like Truly Madly Deeply crossed with um, SVU. Um, Is that, that's a bit Sixth Sense though as well, isn't it? The ND's a ghost. 
But it's... Oh, my God! <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've been watching that all week. Good. Anything, you know, fun? What was that? No? Oh, I watched Bake Off again. Oh, Christ. <laughs> you, that went down so well last time. Yes, yes, I'm sure. It's amazing. Yeah. Have you ever watched an episode? Anyway... Um, Just watch Russell, a fucking Russell, episode. Russell was in Celebrity Bake Off. Are oh, you was. really? Yeah. I was. What did you was? Uh, my signature dish was a flapjack topped with a brownie, Ooh. which I think Ooh. I won that one. And then the next one was, the technical was you had to make puff pastry cream horns, and I put them in the oven the wrong way, so he's meant to have five identical, and I had yeah. three that were, like, Ooh. not identical in any way at all. Failed that, and then the last one was you had to make a meringue world, a meringue memory. So I made this camping scene in Whitstable with me and my dog, but I forgot to put trousers on myself. And... <laughs> And it, it looked, uh, it didn't look right. So crew was scandalised. Yeah. They were like meringue, not a sausage yeah. roll. It was not, it was, it was a really, really stressful experience. I'll tell you that. It was two days of being wound up by a team. You don't realise that when you're, when you watch the show, everyone seems to get so stressed. You're like, why are they so stressed? But when you're there, you're assigned like a team of people and you like start cooking. They go, right, start cooking. You start doing it. Someone's there going like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing with that bowl there? You're like, well, I'm going to put the chocolate in that. Are oh, you putting the chocolate in that now? Yeah. Oh, are you sure you want to do that now? Well, should I not be doing that now? Because it's supposed to be doing that now. They're like, well, I don't know. Then they talk to their friend. They go, yeah, just do the chocolate. And you're like, no, no, no. I won't do the well, I won't do the chocolate then. And then before you know it, you're so stressed. And then the next day, I was like, of course. Because then it's just like competent bakers making nice cakes quietly in the kitchen. They have to like wind you up and get the drama. And it was so stressful. And you want another story? <laughs> do it. Yeah. yeah. Right. James so, is particularly loving this because he's obsessed with these right, type so of shows. They, yeah. Yeah. So everyone, everyone, it's a two-day thing, and they say, "We'll see you tomorrow, bakers," and then everyone turns up in the same clothes on the second day. And I was always like, "Why?" And obviously because they want to edit and take bits from other episodes. But they dry clean your clothes, right? Well, they dry clean my clothes and they shrunk them. <laughs> and the next what? day they turned up and I had this top and my belly button was hanging out. And I went, I've shrunk this. They went, oh, okay, you, you're not going to wear that. I said, no, you can see my belly. I can't wear that. So I think in the history of Bake Off, I'm the only person that's ever worn like a different outfit for wow. the second day. Wow. Yeah, the editor hated me. Historic. Historic. It was historic. historic. And who were you with? Was it, um, wasn't it Ashling B, I'm imagining? No, 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 no. no. It was uh, Rylan, Rylan, Michelle Keegan and James A. Custer. Wow. wow. So this sounds a little bit like West Wing, but yeah. with, with it was, cakes. It was like, like West Wing yeah. with cakes. Like a walk and bake. Is that yeah. what you're happy, yeah. You'll be happy. I See, I, you make it sound much more exciting. I didn't realise it was quite so much drama. It was I might be persuaded to watch this. Wouldn't it be great if Aaron Sorkin scripted a kind oh, of bake off? Oh <laughs> Like drama. It'd be the single greatest thing. It'd be the greatest thing ever. It'd be better than that fucking clip from the newsroom that was on that's going around. Can we not? We're going to talk about that later. Look, look. Why can't we talk about that? One bad scene in the whole show. Worst scene. Have you seen this? No. Someone tweeted it yesterday or the day before. News about West Wing. Aaron Sorkin's newsroom, which was his later um, show, which was about like a fake CNN, and it was an incredibly clunky attempt to portray the world of of cable news, right? right, To be topical. Uh And there's this episode. There's this this scene which people post someone posted on the internet yeah. so someone tweeted about it and it is diabolically embarrassing 
an example of this, like masculine, this bloke suddenly sees the air stewards coming out and he's like obsessed with them being heroic and he decides to change his mind about what he's going to tell them about the terrorist thing that he's witnessed. He's telling them about Osama Bin Laden being caught. It's yeah. just, have a look, it's one of the worst things you'll ever see. Because, Aaron the, stewards, because the stewardesses. The whole thing is just unbelievably it, crass wow. and stupid. It hasn't travelled brilliantly. No. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that. It's, yeah. it's not. But then if you look at the opening scene of the newsroom, it's one of the greatest things ever filmed. So, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, you know James is obsessed with Aaron Sorkin. Oh, yeah. West yeah. Wing yeah. in particular. The, uh, the greatest living uh, playwright. Yeah. That's, yeah. that, that, that's a man you mean. Apparently. Yeah. I mean, uh, I like him as yeah, well. I like but I'm a fan. He's, he's, some, he's flawed sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So what Aaron Sorkin shows have you been watching? Um, I've been catching up with Newsroom via Twitter. <laughs> Studio 16. Studio you know, 16. Sports night. You yeah. Know. Oh, yeah. Love it. No, I can't get, I can't get beyond Succession at the moment, which is another one of your favourites. Oh, yeah. Succession is hitting like new peaks I think in a few years time Succession will be regarded as one of the greats the absolute mm. greats because it's getting so so good now the last episode was it's, it's about the, the family the Roy family um, headed by um, Brian Cox this kind of Rupert Murdoch like figure and he's trying to buy they're these right wing people right wing wealthy media family they're trying to buy acquire a kind of lefty liberal kind of New York Times style mm. newspaper group and the, and, the, and the lefty liberals need the money they need their 25 billion dollars so they invited them in the last episode for this big weekend session where they confronted the horrible nasty right-wing fascists rich people even richer people and the liberal lefty people kind of had this big session where they talked to each other and like got to know each other could they trust the right-wing fascists and it was so brilliant it's so layered and subtle and clever and funny and scary and brilliant and it's an incredible show oh i know is that the episode where they were all being unspeakable twats <laughs> no most of them are unspeakable <laughs> twats, but it doesn't matter, does it? Who cares? Do you have conflicted tastes? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of unspeakable twats. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. Uh, Russell, what have you been watching? Uh, you know what? I've been doing a catch-up on lots of things which I've just has passed me by. I've really got into Dr. Foster. I know that's oh, like yeah. 1994, but it's... <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. Bertie Carville is, like, amazing, even though he's a total bastard now. I think he's incredible. Uh, Chernobyl, obviously yes. cleaning that up. That's terrifying me. Absolutely, mm. cold face, absolutely terrifying me. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have been watching. What else have I been watching, Boyd? Um, <laughs> well, you've been watching on. You've been watching anything on Netflix? Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Stranger Things was probably the last thing. You know okay. what? I've been, and it's not TV, but Hunger Games again is another one I've caught. Oh wow! <laughs> From yeah, that's nine, not TV. Just for the podcast that tomorrow was night. <laughs> I'm just like I'm going back in time, catching up on all the shows that passed yeah. me by. No, I know what you mean. So I'm, I'm watching. Have you seen Unforgotten? Do you ever see Unforgotten? No, not yet. So good. I watched so it in about fifteen years. Yeah. You're on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm a little bit behind, but it's. Uh, we were talking about this on the podcast the other week so I just got to, to series 2 and I was like oh series 2 is amazing and Bob was like hmm you wait till you get to series 3 I've watched yeah. series 3 and fucking hell so Nicola Walker is the ghost <laughs> yeah in Unforgotten in River because that puts a whole different spin on the oh yeah Nicola Walker yeah. she's the ghost love Nicola Walker and let she's me just tell you her. after you were banging on about Unforgotten you mean I, speaking intelligently I, about a show I, I watched the first episode and I was like of Unforgotten? Yeah. And you didn't like oh, it? No. Oh, my God. Terry's difficult to please, though. She is. She is. I, mean, I appreciate no one was assaulted in the first... Actually, that's not true. Someone literally dies. But that's not There's a skeleton in a basement. Yeah. But, you Which know, is that's totally like... your bag. I don't know. It's like a period skeleton. 
Do you know oh, what yeah. I mean? I, I prefer my... I prefer, you prefer your corpse is fresh. I prefer my... I prefer contemporary victims. Yeah. That's who's, who's the river... Who is the detective in? With oh, the um, it's um, Stellan Skarsgård. Stellan Skarsgård. That, oh, yeah. He is incredible. Love, yeah. Stellan he did The fact that he even Amazing did a British novel. BBC... Yeah, he's fantastic. Stellan yeah. Skarsgård, the second hottest Skarsgård. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where True. you're looking. He is the top... <laughs> First yeah. Nicola Walker's legend. And I'm going to keep reminding Ross. He was on stage with Nicola Walker I in was, A View um, from a Bridge in New York Broadway, yeah. on Broadway, which I saw. I was there. And she, they were brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. She was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, just saying. Um, she's a good egg. What else I watched this week was, and Russell, please don't hate me for this. I just finished Years and Years. It's just taken me a while. It's taken right, me a while. Because you knew you were going to see me. Because tonight. I knew I was going to see you. Let's be honest. Yes, that's the reason. I appreciate no, that. Work. I've been wanting to watch it. But, and people who, who follow me on Twitter will know there was. An incident. Uh, I was watching oh, an episode of it on a plane. It was the really depressing one where it goes all authoritarian and a bit depressing. They're know, all a bit like that. Yeah, yeah which one? Uh, uh, and I had some problems at American Customs, and it felt very much like the show had come to life. Yeah, it was yeah, a little yeah. bit too close to home, yeah. and I felt a bit like PTSD by it. Yeah. But, uh, well, they're the, no. they're the news at 10 went on straight after it, and everyone was like, is this still, is this, is this still going on? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, I mean, this, it is a fucking amazing piece yeah, of writing and an amazing piece of acting. And I'm, there's lo- has everyone here seen all of it? Has anyone not here this gentleman not here seen all of it and doesn't want me to spoil it? Oh my god, right. wait, you haven't seen people. it. Congratulations. Well, we are going to spoil it. You've just. Oh my god! We have to spoil it. This whole conversation. Thank no. you. Uh, so we won't talk about the thing that happens in the fourth episode. But I will say. We've like, got to talk about it. What's so good about what? this? You can just like, kind of like close your ears for a bit. <laughs> no, 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 just no, talk about yourself. I think it'll add to, add to the experience. I did a thing. I did. A, I did a, a thing with Russell T Davis, a public um, interview. Russell T Davis a couple of yeah. weeks ago in Edinburgh, and we talked. We spoiled it, and we did, we, we did this exact same thing. We checked with the audience, and some of them <laughs> had completely. And then we wrote roughshod. <laughs> Russell T Davis, the creator of the show, was like, "Fuck it, you know, yeah. they should have watched it by now." And <laughs> punishment. Yeah, you're being punished. So, because because it's a big exclusive to get Russell's opinion on that thing. Yeah. Me or right, oh, that Russell? Right, can we speak? Let's speak in code. Let's see speaking how this goes. Speaking code. Right. Yeah. So. The thing that happened, yeah. the happened home, yeah. uh, that we can't really discuss, that's kind of a big thing, isn't yeah. it? Now, did the other Russell, <laughs> was he very upfront about the thing before you did the thing? And what did you think about the thing? So, the, uh, uh, the thing about the thing <laughs> was... Uh, well, basically, so when, I was, when we were doing the deal, my agent said this deal's taken a long time for them to close the deal. And the casting director, Andy Pryor, uh, run my agent and said that Russell wants to have a chat with Russell Big Russell wants to have a chat with Little Russell <laughs> Are you Big Russell or Little Russell? I'm big Oh yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> They said alright Russell get, get on the phone and he was hello darling I said how are you He said right so I've written this episode uh, episode 4 and you get on a boat with Victor and you're really like confident and you're really arrogant and you think right I'm going to get back and you get back to the beach and there's something happens in the boat and Victor's dead in the beach and I was like oh shit that's awful he said what do you think of that I said oh it's really bad but in my head I'm thinking I'd probably have to do a eulogy and cry and then a bit of dynamic (laughs) dynamic between my sisters that'd be really good acting that might get me a nomination for something and then he said and then he said but 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 I'm fed up with seeing refugees dead on the beach you get on the boat with Victor there's something happens in the boat suddenly at the end of it Something happens. <laughs> what could it be? The thing Can anyone happens. work through that incredibly cryptic place? <laughs> yes. And he said, he said, what do you think? I said, if I wasn't in it, I think it was an amazing idea. The fact I'm in it, I think it's terrible. You need to change it. And he said, no, no, best thing I've ever written, that's what it is. Four episodes and you're out. What do you think? Sorry. <laughs> 
And I went, fine, fine. Fuck he it, goes to live on a farm in <laughs> yeah, Somerset. Yeah. <laughs> With all the dogs, all yeah. the family dogs. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I had to warn my parents again. Because it, it happens a lot. And my mum, my mum always was like, stop dying and everything. So, again, well, it must sorry. be weird for her, yeah. Because oh, well, she's seen me die about oh. 15 times now, so. Yeah. But it was an incredibly bold move, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, but properly unexpected. Unexpected. Thing yeah, that's totally. sportive for. But maybe you'll forget. Maybe, you know, by the time you leave this room. But it was like a bodyguard moment. You yeah. Know, yeah. That, when that sort of happened, everyone was like, what the fuck? That's not going to happen. So Has anyone here not seen bodyguards? No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You're on, the, you're on the wrong panel. This yeah. is like. A, yeah. Bad choice. Game of Thrones has got. I should go through the death yeah. scene. There's a fucking there's terrible a wedding that comes in a red wedding. About. Yeah. yeah. We could uh, end up with spooks in a head and a fryer again, aren't we? Oh. Sorry for anybody who wasn't Still seen Still traumatised by that. I think mm. the statute of limitations might have expired on that. If not as a banshee, then, you know. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Time now for this week's news. Uh, I will kick this off with a piece of news which is so wildly inappropriate for a podcast I can't even tell you. A picture came out of the cast together for Wheel of Time. Did anyone see this? Very, very exciting. One person. Mm. One person. Yeah. Yeah. One is it like, is it like Wheel of Fortune? Or? <laughs> Everyone else is dreading exactly that we're like reel that. off the character names in fucking Elvish again. But no, that's not going to happen. I will say, it was, it, was a lovely, it was a lovely shot. But what kind of it hit home for me, and I hadn't realised this, I didn't know everyone was in it, but of the core cast members, it's an incredibly diverse cast. Like, at least half the people, the core characters, are people of colour. And I was like, I, was, I mean, OK, one of them's Rosamund Pike, who is scientifically the whitest person alive. But other than her, one of the people of colour is Rossum and Pike. You've got this all wrong. <laughs> what can I tell you? She's an incredible actress. Yes. Uh, no, but genuinely. So I, I was like, I'm, I'm really on board for this. And not just because it's, you know, a 14-volume sprawling fancy, uh, fancy epic by, uh, by Robert Jordan. But mainly because of that. But mainly because yeah. it is indeed that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> couldn't give less of a fuck. I'm really sorry. Can you read us some of the character names, though? Yes, do that, do that. Do that. Read you? Yeah. Do you think I need to read them? <laughs> do I need to read, yeah. you know, Moiraine of the Aesodai, Wielder of Sidar? It's a fantasy series. <laughs> Egwene Alvere, Nynaeve Almira, Matrim Cawthorn, Randall Thor, a.k.a. the Dragon Reborn, Perrin A. Borough. Do I need to read them? <laughs> Motherfucker, I read all of these books. <laughs> it's a new, fa- it's a, it's a fantasy se- book. He's read every book of fantasy novels. Every, vo- every like series. I'm of single novels. a lot. What can I tell? You? Yeah. And like all of Game of Thrones you read before Game of Thrones was on. Obviously. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Did you think were you one of the ones that compares it to when it's on TV? Oh yes. Uh-huh. I'm that. He is twat. As Boyd will be very prepared to say. Are you yeah. like a Terry Pratchett fan? And I do love Terry Pratchett. <laughs> very good. Love I know you are. <laughs> 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 Saturday night, basement level of Forbidden Planet. These are my people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that? Um, what's that game you play on the internet with those other men? Well, why is it called? I believe you're referring to World of Warcraft. Oh, In yeah, my defence, yeah, yeah. I have not played that for quite some time. Due to a small addiction problem, but I've stopped yeah, it, yeah. and I'm in recovery, and I have not. Raided in a while. <laughs> isn't it? I have isn't a there a rogue called Solana? 
Did anyone anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway, there's let's probably actual, other news. There's actual Game of Thrones news, isn't there? Uh, yes, no, there is. Yes, yes, that's right. They've announced there's a second uh, prequel in development based on uh, Fire and Blood, which was the, the prequel sort of Targaryen book that George released when he should have been writing the next George, fucking let you know him. Um, What's the first? The first one's The Children of the Forest, isn't it? The story about so, Yeah, so he's doing the first one, which they call, I mean, they call it The Long Night, Children of the Forest, whatever. Is it, has it got an official title yet? Was that a book before, though, as well? No, so that's, that's an original one. This is Jane Goldman's yeah, one. Yeah, Jane Goldman's set that like one. a thousand oh, years cool. before. But this is also, so this will start with uh, Aegon Targaryen, Aegon the Conqueror's conquest of the Seven Kingdoms when he comes over from Old Valeria on his dragon, Valerian the Black Dread. Um, yeah, it's going to be good. It might include the Blackfire Rebellion. That'd be exciting. Wow, big time. But, isn't it, but George, George, as you called him, as if you know him, as if George, he's your best mate, he's writing it, isn't he? That is quite interesting. He is, yeah. Well, he's yeah. not writing the other one, is he? No, he's right. Not. No, and there's going to be five... Spin-offs. Spin-offs, prequels, yeah. When's whatever. the first one coming out? Uh, that's a good I think it'll be. This, I think it'll be next summer, because they've finished yeah. filming the first They section. have, they've done it. I, well, they've finished filming the first section, I think. Oh, yeah. 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 And uh, I, think it'll be quite, I think it'll be in about a year's time. I mean, that's my total guess. What's the, do you get the buzz like from these shows being on the inside? Or? Well, I bumped into Jane Goldman, that thing, oh, yeah. and she <laughs> said it was going to be fucking great. Tell us, boy, what yeah. happened? <laughs> How is Jean? Jean? She seemed confident it was going to be good. Like, great. Really? Yeah. She was, what, yeah. have you ever known her not to be confident? Uh, yeah, a bit, yeah. Okay. yeah. I would say so. Yeah. She's not like a boastful, yeah. I think she was quite nice. Yeah. But yeah. what we should say, well, have you, I've, you must have been offered a, a role in Game of Thrones. Never. Never? How come? Never. What? That's ridiculous. Really ridiculous. I look like a... <laughs> <laughs> Never. Fuck it, I know. Annoying, that right? That is outrageous. Really outrageous. Yeah. Okay. I missed that. I missed Harry Potter. Oh. I did Doctor Who. That felt you did like do Doctor Who. Yeah. Wheel of Time. I'm telling you, shooting in Prague now. Wheel of Fortune with my family. <laughs> <laughs> and Russell T Davis wanted you to be Doctor Who at one point. Didn't he it? did. Yeah. How close did that happen? Uh, it, Matt Smith got it. Oh right. Okay. But I, I, I went and read for it and yeah. talked to them all, and I think I was quite close. But yeah. they told me they were casting older. That's why I didn't get it. And then Matt got it. <laughs> <laughs> he's, I think he's four years younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> That was a lie. <laughs> Just things you say to actors. Mm. <laughs> Terry, how did you feel about the uh, the crown casting? Uh, I had feelings. So this is Gillian Anderson yeah. as Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. It's very confusing In for me season. on so many levels. <laughs> Why would it be confusing, James? I'm just saying, like, in terms of confused sexuality, there are so many problems with this yeah, whole situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the one hand, it's Maggie. On the other hand, it's Scully. And it's just, like, really... But you used to be a Tory, so a latent part of you must kind of be that quite excited such by this. a long time ago. I mean, Christ, you become despotic once for a brief period. You never hear the end of it. I never thought of that, because she's a gay icon playing Thatcher. Yeah, and actually, what, move, yeah. what caused some const, constant, whatever that fucking word is, constant, constant, consternation. Thank you. <laughs> I think you'll find. Was the, um, and I've, I've got it here so I don't misquote, was the quote that Gillian Anderson put out. She said she was excited, blah, blah, blah. And she said, you know, the opportunity to portray such a complicated and controversial woman. She was undoubtedly formidable, but I'm relishing exploring beneath the surface. And dare I say, which usually means don't say what you're about to say, <laughs> falling in love with the icon who, whether lived or de- loved or despised, defined an era. The internet did not enjoy the <laughs> falling in love with the icon part of that quote. And people were yeah. sharing Thatcher's record on, you know, pits and kids and, you know. I think Meryl fell in love with her. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can tell. But I, but I get why people are confused. But also, you know, she's a... What's that word? Actor. Oh, yes. So, so you're, like, it's pretend. Yeah. Ah, yeah, okay. So I think she should be free to do what she wants. Fair enough. Good. 
But that, it's weird, that's season four of, of yeah. The Crown that yeah. she's going to be in, yeah. yeah. We've, I've watched some of season three. Oh, yeah. and? Incredible. Yeah. Are, you, are you breaking an embargo? Maybe. I yeah, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I think you just almost actually broke an embargo. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter as um, Princess Margaret. Oh. Fucking hell. Oh. Yeah. Diana, Charles is, Diana um, comes into this one, right? Yeah. 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 And Charles is played by yeah. Josh, Josh O'Connor. O'Connor, O'Connor yeah. he's amazing. He's great. Love, love, love. Yeah, yeah. Were you offered a role in, in The Crown? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Still confident. Do you think they'll go up to date yet. for like, this period? I do. Who would I play there? What would I do? John Major. Oh, what? Wow. wow. That's terrible. The heart, that's a hot call. No, yeah. <laughs> That is harsh. <laughs> He's an actor. How about maybe, maybe no, no, no. make believe? David Cameron. How about David Cameron? Oh God, is this meant to be getting better, yeah, Boyd? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to fall in love with the icon. <laughs> David Cameron. Oh. He's got a lot of buzz around him right now. Yeah, 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 he's, yeah. He's very buzzy. Um, Hawkeye. Do you see the Haley Steinfeld? Yes. Yes. Yeah, Might playing Kate Bishop in Hawkeye. Kate Bishop, who becomes the next Hawkeye after the existing Hawkeye stops being Hawkeye and becomes something else. Yes, yep. happy? Are we there for this? Yeah. Or are you just broadly indifferent? No, oh, I love Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, Good. She's great. This yeah. has been an excellent talk. <laughs> yeah. Do you know about all these, these Marvel shows they're doing on, on um, Disney Plus, on the right. new Disney yeah. streaming service? Oh, right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have, they, uh, have they approached you too? No, I, I did CW. I was in The Flash. Yes, yes. Legends yes. of Tomorrow. The I Arrowverse you've been part of. I was of. in the Arrowverse. Yeah, I did yeah. a crossover. Crisis on Earth X. Infinite, is it, oh, no, the Infinite Earth was the last one, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, I see. <laughs> I was in Crisis No Effects and I played Ray Terrell, a.k.a. The Ray, who was gay. And was, gay was the rhyme intention? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and that was, that was fun. That was, yeah, it was interesting. Because they're massive, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, absolutely huge. Yeah, and we saw, I turned up on the first day and everybody is in full, because it's crossover, you see every show, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Green is that, Arrow. Is Legends of Tomorrow like, the one with the, the gorilla? Am I making that up? No. There's a time-travelling uh, no, gorilla uh, in one of them. I'm that's that thing with Noel Fielding, isn't it? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Is there? Yeah, maybe there is. I he think there I is a gorilla, gorilla in this He one. wasn't there. Fair yeah, enough. No, yeah. he wasn't there that day. But all the other superheroes were there, and we all sort of turned up on set and just sort of squeaking around. And you saw them all. It was crazy, and I was like the most buzzy. Like, isn't this amazing? Like, yeah, sure, it's fine. Sure, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine until you want to have a poo, and then it's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah, so, but no, that was fun. Was there any talk of doing a, a series with your character? Yeah. Okay. And it's still, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. What are you breaking embargoes? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Ruining everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mandalorian's getting a second season. You see this? Oh my god! It hasn't been, been out yet. No. Very exciting. Doesn't matter. It's Disney Plus. They don't wait for you know viewers. Um, yeah. No. So and and Favreau said he's going to direct. He didn't get to direct any in uh, season one, but he's going to oh, direct some. But in Pedro Pascal's still doing the second one. Yep. 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 Does he ever take his helmet off in it? I believe so. Right. I saw about 10, 15 minutes of this at Celebration earlier this year, and he was helmet on for all of that. Because he was um, sharing the promo pictures on his Instagram, and I was like, that could be anyone. Yeah, it page. really could be anyone. <laughs> like, why hire this man who looks like that and stick a fucking helmet on? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm very much excited for it. So this uh, Disney thing, that's a brand new yeah. content thing, like yeah. Apple TV thing. Yeah. That they're building loads of content. But we don't know when Disney Plus is coming, so they haven't. it's coming uh, this year. In the uh, US, you'll get next that on year. Apple TV. Yeah. And next here, year, here, it'll be at some point, we think, before the end of time. But it'd be like Apple TV. Yeah. It'd come up yeah. as an yeah. icon on there. Yeah. Right. But it'll cost more because 
was, which segues nicely into this, Apple TV announced their yes. rollout plan for this, and it is day and date UK and US, and it is dollar for pounds the same price. Well, so it's four ninety nine a month, uh, November first, and it will have no ads as well, which is nice. Not surprising, but nice. And when you buy a certain Apple product, don't you get a free subscription? Yeah, for yeah. If you've got any new ad- Apple product, any new Apple product gets you a year. Of, uh, of Apple TV Plus. Well, day and date makes so much sense. Yeah. I don't understand. Well, my understanding of this, and by understanding, I mean I'm basically <laughs> making this up. Uh, but my understanding of this is they have licensing uh, syndication deals. So some of the stuff that they... The Disney. So some of the, the stuff, Disney. again, can't emphasize enough, <laughs> making this up. Uh, <laughs> I think they, they've sold it off to various people and they need to wait for stuff to elapse before they can kind of get their back catalogue back in the UK. But that doesn't mean you couldn't launch with loads of new amazing stuff in a partial back catalogue and add to that back catalogue catalogue afterwards. That's a good point. You should call Bob Iger right now. And I will. Don't you worry. Mm, yeah. Um, but what else we see? We saw, st- um, speaking of, of, of stuff that's streaming, so Apple TV Plus, it, like, there's loads of good shows on it. There's nothing on it that looks essential. Although there was a trailer well, for no, Jason Momoa's yeah. C. Well, you not see? that one. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did anyone see this? So yes. It's Jason Momoa. So it's everyone, it takes place in the future. Everyone is blind until they have two babies who can see. And it's like a superpower because they can see and everyone else in the world is blind. Yeah, but there's a show with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon and Steve Carell. But you're missing the point that this is oh, an episode so... called C about blind people. It's created no. by the guy who made Peaky Blinders. Am I the only one who finds oh, okay. that entertaining? Yeah, that's quite exciting. But The Morning Show, <laughs> which is a comedy about breakfast television yeah. in America with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty yeah, exciting. That's genius. What's yeah. that called, Boyd? The Morning Show, I think, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. The Morning and Show. that's on Apple TV that's from, on Apple from TV. November when it's... Well, this well, is the thing. So they've announced that it's going to launch on November 1st, yeah. 4 99 yeah. but they haven't told us which shows are going to be available from the beginning. So I think they're going to kind of keep that quite mysterious. Mm. Yeah. Jesus. Because yeah. Apple likes... <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Bastards. Typical Apple. Typical, Typical fucking Apple. Have yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you seen there's been some uh, there's been some stand casting, casting for the stand? Oh yeah. New Stephen King. Stephen so King. Woody Goldberg, who we thought was gonna be playing Mother Abigail, has been confirmed for that. a uh, bunch of other people, but most excitingly, the first most attractive Skarsgård, Alexander, is gonna be Randall Flagg, the big bad. That's uh, that I'm pretty excited about. I loved the really shit miniseries from mm. the 90s yeah. uh, so I'm really really excited to see this did you watch any Stephen King miniseries when you were, when you, were you must have done a whipper I did no like no. what like none what? of them well, there was uh, Tommy it. Doctor's it. Needful oh, Things that, was it. that a miniseries yeah that was a miniseries yeah. Yeah. before With, the movie yeah yeah yeah, mm. yeah. no I didn't see back it back in the day yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't very good oh, right. what do you yeah. mean it wasn't very good it was brilliant it wasn't that. But it was terrifying it was scary I mean scarier than it chapter 2 that's for sure well yeah I mean I'm scarier than it chapter 2 my, my friend tells a story well, that, that when, he, when he was a kid, him and his sister, their nan was looking after him and she went to the video store to get them something while she was cooking and she got them child's play, thinking it was for kids. And <laughs> this is already a good story. Put it on oh, God. and they were like six and seven, put child's play on, closed the door when the kitchen did the cooking, came back. The kid, the kid with Chucky, the kids are like traumatised for the rest of their lives. So she thought really innocent. Oh, child's play, that'd be nice. Are you, a, are you a horror fan, generally, as a genre? Um, no. No? <laughs> I mean, I, I watch it, but I don't, I'm not like one of them people that's like, let's get fucking yeah. scared, let's yeah. do this, let's fuck ourselves up. No. Let's fuck ourselves up. No, but I, I appreciate it. No, good, good, good. As an art form, yeah. Excellent, excellent. 
You? Um, are you a big horror fan? Uh, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a big horror fan because I'm a massive. I get like I, they freak me out. Let's be honest. I'm not good with horror. That's what they're designed for. Well, yeah. yeah so I guess they're working. <laughs> um, but I'm very excited about. I really like the Haunting of Hill House and mm. so Haunting of Bly Manor. I'm very excited mm. about. Is that was that a book? That was before? a British. Yeah, was Haunting it? of House, which is on Netflix. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That, that was the Haunting mm. before, and that. That is one of the best. We we voted it best TV show we last did. year. We did. Yes, it was we that did. good. Wow. Russell. Okay. Cool. Mm, Great. Yeah. yeah we like and that. and a lot of the cast are in the next one, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yeah. Yes, they yeah. are. No, that's gonna be a good one. Very. very Oliver Jackson well. coming. Yeah. Love. Great man. Yeah. Good. Did you see the trailer for this thing, Modern Love? Do you know about this thing? I have no idea what you're talking about. This is a Modern Love is a new Amazon Prime series. Yeah. It's an it's a it's a what's it, anthology? I'd say compendium. That's a different <laughs> thing. It's an anthology, different story, but they're yeah. based on the Modern Love column in New York Times. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, which is this legendary column about true stories of relationships, how they met, isn't it? It's kind of yes. like yeah. Um, and it, these are all both, and the, the people involved are incredible. So I'm going to list them now. Sharon Horgan is directing an episode that Tina Fey is in. Heaven. Anne Hathaway, Dev Patel, Catherine Keener, Andrew Scott is in an episode. Yes. It's fucking, and John Carney, who is Sing Street and all that, he's kind of the showrunner. Wow. And they've kind of let it go under the radar a bit because it arrives like in October, the end of, middle of, end of October on Amazon mm. Prime. And it looks really, really exciting. The trailer's out and it's good. Does Amazon really push shows though I don't, I don't they really don't in a no. weird way you're alright yeah they're not like Netflix I think they yeah. just drop them and go a bit like that see what happens yeah it is a bit like but that but then Netflix do that too don't they with, like, some with some things just yeah. materialise and be like Boyd why didn't we review this you're like I didn't fucking know no, it existed yeah, yeah, until yeah. five minutes ago it's a bit like that yeah. yeah but there's one of those this week it's, you know this thing called the I.A. Land have you heard yes, of yes, some, yes. I, someone asked, Neil Labute have you, have you seen it Neil Labute the playwright yes what is it? This is a thing, it's like Lost. It's like a group of people arrive yeah. on an island. I'm the voice of the people. Yeah, yeah you are. <laughs> I mean, I, I love Neil DeBue as well, but okay. he did go, he has gone a bit wrong, hasn't he, recently, let's face it, with his films and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's gone a bit wrong with this, to yeah. be honest. God. Um, so, yeah, this is like a you know, big epic 10 part sci fi thing set on an island, people arriving on an island, they don't know why they're there, et cetera, et cetera, and it's got a terrible title, The I Land, as in I Land. Got it. And it's, I've just watched some of it, and it's. Pretty immediately, shocking. quite shockingly yeah. oh, God. bad. Yeah. yeah, and that went totally, and they didn't really pre-announce that at all. I wonder why. Like, I was going to yeah. say. Yeah, and it's just kind of arrived. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, so that's our hot tip for whatnot. <laughs> yeah, uh, which leads us quite nicely onto this week's reviews. Uh, first up, this week we have uh, Netflix's Criminal. Uh, this is created by veteran director Jim Field Smith and Killing Eve writer George Kay. Uh, this is a slightly odd one, so it's a kind of procedural that kind of pits police detectives against criminals in an interrogation room. So it's, it's 12 episodes, 12 separate stories spanning four countries. So it's uh, UK, Spain, France and Germany. Um, it stars Roshanda Sandal, Nicholas Pinnock, Lee Ingleby's in it. Uh, they're among the detectives. And then the kind of the perps. There's some phenomenal work from uh, Hayley Atwell is in episode two, David Tennant uh, in episode one. And uh, Terry, would you care to interrogate this one for us? <laughs> I, I mean, you just did most of it, but sure. Um, <laughs> so, as James says, 12 stories, four different countries. It's. Um, it's a really, really interesting setup because everything about it immediately says kind of typical police procedural, which means I was in yeah. from the get-go. But the actual um, setup is really interesting. They only have three sets. So it's the interview room in which they're interrogating somebody, the hidden room, which is essentially behind the two-way mirror, and then the corridor, which connects the two. So it's this really intense, claustrophobic um, sense. It was almost like a play in so places. It's, it's an actor's like job. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's time, insane, yeah. and it's in. But it's actually still really interesting visually, mm. and actually um, with the sound as well. So they do amazing things with 
mirrors and reflections and shadows and like kind of playing on duplicity and truth and deception and all of this done with a really light touch I have to say because it could have been really heavy-handed even the way they use sound so the way that people breathe in certain situations when they're being interrogated the use of silence the beeping of the interview machine I mean it's so beautifully choreographed the sound in in places I thought it's amazing as you said the first episode is David Tennant who plays a doctor whose teenage stepdaughter has been murdered. The tenth doctor is the only doctor that matters to me, and David Tennant is incredible, apart from you. Um, (laughs) Almost. Um, He is amazing in this. And as you say, it's that cat and mouse game between the detectives and between him. So the investigator is played by... um, Boyd, Boyd, Boyd. No, it's not Boyd. Boyd. Um, Boyd. Uh, Catherine Kelly. No. Lee Ingleby. No, no. yes. Richard, yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> it's Nicholas Pinnacle Lee Ingleby in that Nicholas Pinnacle Lee Ingleby. I didn't ask you, I asked Boyd <laughs> and he was right. So, And he's amazing. And Catherine Kelly, who is obviously incredible, um, kind of plays the boss, Natalie. And um, you mentioned Rishenda Sandal, who's mm. obviously Line of Duty and incredible. Amazing. Their dynamic is really interesting. And what I love is because you don't leave these sets and the confines of what they're doing with the suspect and it runs basically the length of interrogation, is their dynamics and their personal relationships and actually their personal lives come out in little kind of almost vignettes within the scenes. But you never leave the room, which I just think is such a fascinating way to do character development. Mm. Yes. And are you supposed to think that David Tennant's character is... Guilty then of well yeah you don't know so you don't know he's a suspect yeah yeah and you follow and you yeah. follow the interrogation in, in essentially kind of real, real time. time and yeah. you get an answer at the end you might get an answer <laughs> to be just just say how fucking audacious this is for the first eighteen minutes of the first episode David Tennant says absolutely nothing except no comment he just says right. no comment which is no comment, by the way no comment which is incredibly realistic do you ever watch um, uh, 24 hours in police custody fuck yes, me yes 4. right so if you watch that amazing yeah, which is brilliant right and now James won't know what that is because it's a mainstream programme on Channel 4 because it's reality but, yeah but it's a brilliant documentary series where they literally show interrogations and 9 times out of 10 they're advised to say no comment yeah so it's completely so I thought that was a brilliant device yeah. from the first one to have him saying that because that's exactly what would happen your lawyer would advise you to say no comment and, and then it's all about can they wear him down to su- can they somehow entice him to stop yeah. saying no fucking comment which spoiler alert they kind of do <laughs> um, but it is as you say it's a real, it is a real actor showcase because you've got the regular cast of the, invest- of the detectives le- yeah. and then it's like a guest starring role for actors mm. like ten- Hayley Atwell's episode 2 mm. and, it's, and, and they get to do these incredible are they or aren't they criminals are they aren't they guilty or innocent it's a really it's a really clever um, setup, isn't it it is and the whole thing for, within this genre I think to feel exciting and innovative and new and fresh is really fucking yeah. difficult right and yeah. I, I got to the end and was like this is incredible I really hope people watch it and yeah. don't kind of get think it's quite a simple idea because it isn't but there is a simplicity in the storytelling and actually in the craft and the way this is shot that I just think is so effective and so brilliant and weirdly so the really interesting another incredible interesting is that there are all these international versions so there's three episodes three UK episodes with that cast then there's Spanish German episodes and French episodes which are all filmed in the same on that set Right, right, and they all and so and they all have their own stories, and they're all created by or directed and written by local talent, famous locals and starring <laughs> local talent. But they all use the same set, 
But do we get that as part of our? Yeah, you'll get them all. So all, is it subtitled then the others? Yeah, are? they're all subtitled. Wow. Yeah. And when I, I, I spoke to Rashenda Sandal for, for for the magazine for Pilot TV magazine, she said that there's talk of like kind of mingle, mixing them together at some point, and you know, kind of testing the boundaries of, of how of that what that means. You know, there's all these different international cops talking to villains, and yet they could mix them together. It's such a kind of interest. It's really using Netflix mm. because yeah. obviously Netflix yeah. is going out to 150 <clears throat> countries, yeah. and all of them could do their own version of this thing which is really clever, I think. And it's all di- directed and created by Jim Field Smith, who, interestingly, directed the second... So have I ruined Spoiler. that thing? Sorry. But he's done a brilliant job, because he did The Wrong Man's with James Corden. Yep, yep, yep. You know, he's, I think he's a really clever uh, TV director. When is it out, Boyd? When's it out? It's out well, next Friday. It is. Oh Friday, September yeah. the 20th, on Netflix. On yeah. Netflix? Yeah. yeah. I will say, though, I didn't expect to like this at all, because it's kind of a procedural. But it isn't. Yeah. It isn't. Like, there's, like, I like the fact that there, you see bits of their personal lives in between the interrogations, and the pieces sort of fit together. Mm. So there is a kind of a slight ongoing narrative in there. I do also think, like, it's such a genius idea to sort of take the single best thing of kind of police dramas and just make the whole thing that. You know, Mm. the best thing in Cracker was when Robbie Coltrane would get them in the room and just grind them into an intellectual pulp. And that's essentially what this is, and it's amazing. I mean, it's no Ted Hastings in the uh, end of Line (laughs) of Duty season five, but... It yeah. is very, very good. And just to Terry's point on the sound, the sound is nuts. Like, when, they, when you go into the viewing room, like, the dialogue comes out of the centre speaker and goes into the rear surround speakers. I'm being a twat with a surround sound system, wow. but just bear with me. So, but it's really effective. <clears throat> you feel like you're in the observation room hearing it through the, the What speakers. happens if you watch it on your laptop? Well, then you wouldn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the effort went in, and that's good. Yeah. But that sense of claustrophobia is created by yeah. that. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's all of it together, right? But yeah. that, you're mm. right, actually. That switch of sound when you move from one room to the other and then back into the corridor back into the interrogation room, it's like, it's incredible. It does so much of the heavy lifting for you as a viewer. And it's great that they they use that device that they can only hold in for a certain amount of time and time is ticking down. There's one point it's like, you've got three minutes until home time. It's three minutes left and they've got three minutes to crack him. And it's, uh, it's very good. And it's like the main, the main interrogation room is like the stage, and then there's like the where they're watching them through the two-way mirrors. Yeah. Is like the wings of the compared to a play setup where you're watching mm. actors acting and there's people surrounding them, watching them, sitting watching how they're doing it. Yeah, good shit. Netflix on Friday. Uh, next this week we have Defending the Guilty. Also, thank you, Boyd. As Sorry. luck would have it, directed by Jim Field Smith. <laughs> uh, this is a half-hour comedy on BBC Two in which a sort of callow young barrister played by Will Sharp is feeling his way through this profession and coming to terms with the fact that his job is basically now defending criminals. Um, this show features, in no particular order, a slam-poet teenage robber, a joke about Hufflepuffs, the phrase lanky poison twat, and, <laughs> and gets a surprising amount of mileage out of the fact that a certain police acronym rhymes with jizz. Uh, Boydminster, guilty yes. or innocent? Um, oh, mostly innocent. <laughs> I don't know whether it's shot good me. or bad. Innocent, guilty, yeah. Um, it's first of all, the cast is great. So you've got Will Sharp, who you may recognise. Was it called? Was it called Daisies? That thing he did. And he did a channel, channel for um, his own kind of comedy. Very interesting arty comedy that was on Channel 4 that I may have got the title wrong anyway Will Sharp is a very talented young man as I like to say yeah Yeah. he's great Olivia Colman was in it in fact and um, yeah of course and he's a really likeable presence and he is the young kind of naive innocent uh, wannabe barrister who's being trained by by Catherine Parkinson who I also love from IT Crowd etc so that's the main kind of the main plus for me is those two are great together and they've got a brilliant Mm. chemistry and she's kind of 
patronising him and kind of telling him to go get her muffins and her and her coffee and a latte, and he has to do. He's like the dog's body. Yeah. And there's a competitive thing going on with him and his fellow young would-be trainee barristers. And, and I think, and it kind of comes across as quite authentic. And I think it's quite. And, by, and Jim Phil Smith again, as we've said, does a brilliant job at filming it because even though it's essentially it's a sitcom, you know, it's a half-hour sitcom about the world of the law and barristers, and it's based on the, one, the guy who co-created Alex McBride. He wrote a non-fiction book which is about his experiences in this world of the law, right. um, and everything. Kieran Quirk co-wrote it with him, so it feels authentic and real. And um, Jim Phil Smith does a brilliant job. It looks quite, it looks very nice and everything. For, you know, it's a half-hour. Is it funny? Now, here's the thing. You fit your nail, you fit the nail really on it. It's not that funny. It's, oh. it's got a kind of I would, you know, it's got a gentle tone to Does it. it well, it's got a certainly a gentle pace. <laughs> it's not like that's you, what you want in a comedy. Yeah, 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 yeah. in a half-hour yeah. comedy. Yeah. Really yeah. wanted a nice yeah. gentle pace. Right. Yeah. But if you think of, I don't know, recent, you know, I think we're going through a brilliant period of comedy right now. I said this last week. Not here, we're not. You like know. what? Like what? Well, this way out, Ashley B series. Yes. You know, um, Game Face. Yes. Brilliant on Channel yeah, Four. Yeah, yeah, amazing, like female talent. Yeah, and right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, Fleabag. Fever Fleabag. Completely. Totally. Surface, yeah. I love Seth Let's Flats on Channel 4, which is really funny. Yes. Jamie Dimitri. All, now, all of those shows, even Seth Let's Flats, which is very broad, kind of much more broad than those other ones, are very fast-moving, pacey, punchy. This isn't fast-moving, pacey and punchy, it has to be said. But I don't even know if it's trying to be. I think it's trying to be a kind of almost, you know, we'll show you this world and let you kind of bathe in it and, and you know, experience it rather than... But when you compare it to those shows, it doesn't feel essential, I would say that. I mean, it does contain the line spoken by a barrister, women want to get bear and jiggy with the horsehair wiggy. So, that gives you an when idea. You say it, of humor when you say more. it's really funny. Thank you, thank yeah. you. Yeah. It's your gentle pose. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm astonished they didn't ask me to be in it. Isn't, yeah. isn't that one of the problems with it? Um, because it's a bit like being hit over the head um, <laughs> with kind of the same kind of joke over and over yeah. again. There was what I've, I laughed at one line, which was, I'm going to rain shit on you like the BFG after a vindaloo. Um, <laughs> I, found that, I found that funny. I like that one. I mean, first line. of all, the BFG only eats snoz <laughs> so that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. But, but it, that's kind of, it's of that ilk, and one kind of drops every few minutes. I thought it did something interesting with classism and sexism mm. within that world, that, that um, competition you're talking about. They had hot a board, robot. hot robot, yeah. angry chav. I mean, yeah. I took that stupid. one personally, but yeah. it was, and it kind of, and it starts to unpick that stuff, and it's quite interesting. You know, Catherine Parkinson's amazing. She is make, <laughs> He has very to call good. her mummy, yeah. which is super weird. Um, <laughs> but I, you see, boy, what you're saying about a gentler pace, I don't mind a gentler pace, but I didn't feel like there was anything to bathe in. I didn't feel like it was deliberate almost. It was just mm. not funny. <laughs> and that, I found that really and I found that really difficult. And it had a certain charm at moments. Yep. Um, charm, that's a good word. Yeah, it's charm, charming. There's, yeah, a, it's there's charming. moments of yeah. charm, but fuck me, it was a long half hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a bit where um, she tells him to get, literally get a, a, da- a Danish or something, a pastry yeah. for her. That's his task for the moment. And that took a long time it to did. Oh, my God. I, I really like, felt like I'd actually been yeah. to Wenzel's and yeah. got the Danish. Yeah. It's rare that I see a scene on screen. I think they really should just have cut that, you know. It would, could have been hot, and they didn't, and it was a bit weird. Yeah. Events so occur in real time. Yeah. Um, it was odd. Yeah, so uh, on that recommendation, that airs on BBC Two on Tuesday, September the 17th at 10 p.m. We should um, say it was a pilot, right? We should... Oh, yeah, no, that, say that. that was the pilot episode of yeah. the show, which is already. Yeah. And th- but then there's a six part which aired last year. Which aired last yes. year. Yeah. So yeah. some of you may have seen it, and they've mm. commissioned a full season. But the pilot is the first episode of the Indeed. new season. Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, also out this week, we have City on a Hill. Uh, this actually also aired a while back. This aired in the US back in June, and this is based on an original idea by Chuck McLean and Ben Affleck. Uh, so like the Affleck movie, The, cr- uh, the Town, not The Crown, he did not direct... <laughs> I can't tell you, he did not direct The Crown. That would be a very different type of show. Uh, the Town, so it's based on armed robbers in, in Charleston, Boston. Uh, but this is set back in the early 90s, and it stars Aldous Hodge as this kind of young, up-and-coming DA who wants to clean up the city, and Kevin Bacon as a dodgy FBI agent uh, who really doesn't want him to. Um, now, this has already been picked up for a second season, but Terry, does it deserve one? I mean, look, so... <laughs> it's Right, it's stellar in many respects. Produced by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Yep. Original idea by Ben Affleck and Charlie McLean. There's, you know, it has prestige, it has heritage. It is the most Boston thing you've ever seen. Like, from the first scene, they're going, we're from Boston. I mean, what's that? What's that? It's like, Pag, the card in the Harvard yard. What's yeah. that? That's good, yeah. That's yeah. Boston. Yeah. That's, that's, that's extraordinary. <laughs> but, but at one point, I thought they were actually going to start doing that. They're Pag, the card in the Harvard yard. But it's the most Boston. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it'd be better the second time. Um, <laughs> this is the new Who the Hell is That? Who the Hell? Where's Chris Hero? Who the Hell is That? Um, Skepsis! <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we'll stop. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, back, come back to the light. Come back. He's going off the rails. Right. Uh, it's, in many respects, it feels like a love letter. Um, from Ben Affleck, especially, to a different time. It's a time of slightly rough and ready cops. It's a Mm. time when you just got shit done, whether you were kind of corrupt or not. Um, Kevin Bacon is kind of... He plays an FBI agent. He is your very archetypal corrupt cop. He, like, at one point, he thinks he's got herpes from a hooker, which, you know, is just, like, apparently an everyday occurrence. His (laughs) his missus is totally, like, you know... Kind of, she gets she gets kind of half a scene. Um, she's very downtrodden. His mother-in-law's always like giving him shit, um, and so I think the part of the problem with it for me was everybody felt very typecast and everybody fit very. I mean, the the women in it particularly, I have to say. There's lots of wives. Um, they're all suffering. They've all been suffering for a long time. Um, but what I will say is, Aldous Hodge, you mentioned who plays this new African-American ADA who's coming into the city. He has kind of this purity and this really clear moral code that he's trying to see through. He has this sense of justice. And it's re- there's a really interesting tension between him and the local cops and how that plays out. Mm. Um, and actually, you start to see the beginnings of something in the first episode with him and Kevin Bacon, who the path is definitely going to be he may shag hookers, but he's not that bad, really, mm. because he also wants the good things. He just gets there a different way. Um, one of those ways is putting his penis inside of the women. But that aside, he kind of <laughs> wants the same thing. What, it's an unconventional tactic for the FBI, but, you know. What I will say is, um, and I think there'll be kind of, even though obviously it's different, a different locale, I think there may be kind of wire comparisons and things like that. What it didn't get into yet, and I'll be interested if anyone's seen any more, if it did, is kind of the institutional framework that underpins a lot of that kind of um, local law enforcement, especially in the 90s. Um, it didn't really start to dig into any of that for me, so it was quite simplistic mm. in some respects. So I was kind of really mixed on it, and I'm not sure at this point if I'm going to bother 
with episode two, Boyd. Um, I watched episode two, and it, so it does get more into that. So I think what the setup, this is very much a classic setup, isn't it? Because you introduce these two contrasting characters, the cop, Kevin Bacon's character, who is so racist. Like in the first, practically his first sentence is the N-word, is in it? And, he, and, and there's a kind of, yeah, he's incredibly racist, sexist, horrible to everyone, corrupt, but, every, but in the end, by the end of the first episode, spoiler alert, he kind of gets together with the other main character, as you say, by Aldous Hodge, the kind of the, clearly the good guy who's going to change everything. Not in a herpes kind of way. No no, 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 no. But they kind of, yeah, they meet. And from then on, as the series goes on, it's going to be a bit kind of how they work together to change mm. things, even though incredibly unlikely that the, the, the racist, horrible man, Kevin Bacon, is, is, is kind of, you know, there are good elements to him is one of the kind mm. of themes of it. And can these two contrasting characters work together? And I think it does get more interesting. Well, certainly from episode two is more, is in, in immediately, episode one spends an enormous amount of time setting up the kind of robbery thing going on, yeah. which I found a bit tedious. There's a whole robbery thing, yeah, with masks and everything. And that, yeah. that was like, I've seen that loads of times before, but the real meat of it, what you really want, because this is based on a true story of how in Boston they really did revolutionise the justice system yeah. um, in the 90s and it, beca- and, and it was a mm. huge thing in America and it was a huge example of how you can actually change things and you can kind of clean up to some extent the crime system so I think it will be, inter- it will be interesting if you like the town I really like the town I really like those kind of Ben Affleck it's not as good as the town <laughs> no 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 it's not as good but, it, I think, but I think it's getting there I think it's got the potential to be mm. to get there um, but I love the fact that kind of it, it is, as you say, it is the most Boston thing that's mm. ever been, apart from the town. And, and I kind of want, I want to see more of it. So I'm kind of into it. Didn't like, that, but didn't that kind of, oh God, you know that, there's a bit, right, and this isn't a spoiler, it's really early on. He, Kevin Bacon's been a dick and he's in a bar and he like takes out a little vial of cocaine, snorts a line off a bar just to show like what a badass he is. And the fact that within an episode you're kind of meant to watch him do that... You watch him shag a hooker, you watch him like have to go get tested for an STD and then he's addicted to his wife and he's addicted to his mother-in-law and he's like, oh yeah, they're, they're establishing he's a prick. And then really quite quickly, it's like, oh no, it's on the turn now and they've already, and oh, his yeah. kind of yeah. you know, path to redemption within 35 minutes. Yeah. Um, there were so many heavy-handed things dropped within the first half of the show, which were all to indicate he's a prick. That I found that kind of irritating. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's not subtle. Yeah, it's completely. Mm. It's quite clunky. Yeah, but I just like the kind. You of, don't mind. I didn't mind. Yeah, I like the atmosphere of it. I like the texture of it. Yeah, it's kind of, I love this kind of thing. I think basically like law and order, crime in Boston with lots of people being behaving really badly and immorally, and you know, and yet in the end, kind of they will do something quite. I kind of like the whole thing. Yeah, the milieu. I'm going to use that word. The what? Ooh. I like the milieu yeah, of yeah, this yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> If you enjoy a good milieu, uh, City on a Hill scare airs on Sky Atlantic. And hang on, Boyd. hang on. What, what? Did, what did you think of it? It was fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was did you fun. watch it? Of course oh. I watched it. I mean, no, I actually did watch it. No, I, I mean, I liked it. I liked Jonathan Tucker, who's in The Black Donnellys and in Kingdom. I thought he was very good in it as kind of the lead armed robber. But I was a bit... Not bored, but like so much. So I was. I recognised it was good, and also recognised there was zero chance of me watching any more episodes. So, zero chance. Yeah. Wow. Just because there's so much good stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but that does air on Now TV and Sky Atlantic on Wednesday, September the 18th at 9 p.m. Uh, also out this week is American Horror Story 1984, which you'd really think we'd want to talk about, except they wouldn't fucking show it to us. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Um, so that's a shame. But to be fair, not just us. No one, see, no critics have seen it yet in America. I think that's, they do it now with American Horror Story. Did you watch American Horror Story? Too? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, we saw the last one though. Did we see it in time? Yeah, yeah, did yeah, we? Yeah. we did read we? it on the podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, in that case, just ignore everything I'm saying. Okay, good. But no, I'm really excited about it. Yes, we did. 
Does anyone remember this? <laughs> Come on. We I absolutely I don't think did. we did. We I don't think we reviewed it. it in... I don't think we previewed it before it went out. I think we started talking about it once we've seen it, once it went out. Are you sure? I think you're wrong, yeah. You think you remember every single thing, but I don't think you do. <laughs> I must admit, there are fewer dragons in this, so it might have slipped through my memory. Yeah, I don't think there are uh, any dragons. All right, so fine. It, well, anyway, it's that... set in 1984, though. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. like... It's, so no. this is like... It's going to be um, stalk and slash movies, like Friday the 13th kind of things. Right. Yeah, which I, I love those. I love yeah. that genre of films. So I'm, I'm excited by the whole thing. Amazing. So we'll talk about it next week, is what you're saying. We'll talk about it next we'll week. We'll talk about it next yeah. week. Yeah. 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 Uh, but anyway, this uh, that is on Fox UK on Thursday, September 19th at 10pm. What channel? Uh, Fox. Fox UK. <laughs> Yeah, people, a lot of people say that. <laughs> I do this all the time. When Boyd's like, oh, this is the new show on Alibi. And I'm like, you what? So what? I, I've had a show on Alibi. alibi. <laughs> 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 I mean, what I meant from my show. Alibi's oh, really big now. Yeah, oh, it's huge. huge. Oh, I, loved, it's I love huge. all the We were actually the biggest show. You were the biggest show. What was on Alibi? Quantico. Was Quantico on Alibi? I know Quantico. I do know Quantico, but I don't know Alibi. You were one of the main stars of a... Big primetime ABC American mainstream network show, right? For three years. Two, I did two seasons. Two, I came oh, okay. in the second season. Yeah. Okay. And what was that like? As an experience, kind of. Oh, amazing. Um, busy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. they, they, the, the hours are terrible. The aren't hours they? are terrible. The American way. The first week we finished on Friday morning, Saturday morning, they call it Fratterdy, and we finished at 9 a.m. Saturday morning. And then you get home and you sleep, and then Sunday you go to the gym, and then Monday you're in at 6 a.m. And then that night you might finish, you meant to finish at 6, but you finish at, say, 9 p.m. So the next day you don't start till 9 a.m. And then that night means you don't. And it goes on and on like that for months. And then after probably about episode four, they stop writing. Harry Doyle walks in with his top off because you're literally like, when am I supposed to have gone to the gym? It's li- you're like, am I an android? Like, you can't maintain any sort of physique when you're working them hours. So you've got two or three episodes where everyone has their tops off and everyone's like, naked. <laughs> and then after that, we're all like literally in roll necks and scarves. <laughs> just like living off the food there. It's, it's, but it, it was really, really enjoyable. But it's, it's crazy because mm. they just... And because all... What's, Fascinating as well, which I've never done before, is you're in a show, you're still filming it when it's on TV. Mm. And also, the reason why you work long hours is because they don't have any time to pick stuff up. Because mm. when you film stuff now and it gets edited, you'd film it and go, right, well, we can't shoot that car stuff now, so let's pick that up in a couple of months when we've got this break in schedule. They're like, no, this is going out in two weeks, so we've just got to film it. And it's, it's, t- it's tough. It's tough. You've you got to keep up, keep up the pace and just be on it. But... Mm. Oh, yeah, it's very enjoyable. But I don't know if I'd rush back into network TVs quite so quick. The catering must be awesome, though. Oh, what? Oh, my God. Um, I, I visited the set. and It's I like say- a wedding buffet. <laughs> <laughs> they have something called craft service, which is just like these two tables full of food constantly being refreshed. And you say to them, I really fancy some sushi with some brown rice. And they're like, okay. And then it like turns <laughs> up. And it's, it's insane, this food all day long. And it's a whole whole department craft service they have like a whole union and everything they're their own thing it's amazing probably doesn't help with the topless scenes really no it doesn't no no, because it's all like peanut m&ms and you're just like (laughs) going like one or two and before you know it yeah but no yeah the food what did you what did you think of the food then it was incredible i mean i you know i've I've visited a set of film even it it seemed to be even more lavish than film set food i don't know what Mm. it was weird yeah there's like half a room yeah it was the food yeah and every type of chocolate and cake it was extraordinary Mm. i I don't know how you kept up the 
the, fi- the fitness. Then. Just, but he was that. But you also did on the, you also did looking, which was a, a great HBO show. Yes. So was that a very different thing? Was that was an HBO? I mean, that must they must throw a lot of money at their shows as they well. They do, but the, th- the thing with looking is that it felt like a more of a little family together. The, right. the ABC is like a massive Disney Channel, and we were a massive cast, and it's very stunty, and we're all like somewhere every different day. But looking was such a beautiful like domestic, just about the acting and the relationship. But the network stuff was about the acting. And it was about the riot, but it was mainly about the spectacle of what it was to be like FBI, CIA. Mm. So the looking thing was a different experience because it was more, as an actor, it was more like about that. Looking, it was a massive kind of cult phenomenon, wasn't it? People are still going it on about it now. More so now. I mean, right. at the time it got kind of, I, I, was, I absolutely loved it, but there was a whole thing where it come out and people weren't ready for the quiet pace of it. I think it was because it's a half hour comedy, which it wasn't really. It was more a dramedy with a lot more drama with funny moments, but they wanted it to be, they wanted it to be like Will and Grace, I think. And there wasn't like a catchphrase and there wasn't like this and that. And people, I think think a lot of the blogosphere were kind of really down on it to begin with. And then by episode three, they were like, oh no, we really like it, we really like it. But by that point, there's sort of some damage had been done and there was a consensus, especially in San Francisco, like walking around, people were like, oh, I don't want to watch this show, it's boring, I've heard it's boring. And you're like, well, it's about like your town and relationships. And they were like, no, I've heard it's boring. So then that, and that became like the thing, mm-hmm. you know. And so many times that, that happens with TV shows. That like TV show, people go, no, it's not very good. And you sort of go, you have received wisdom. You go, oh yeah, it's not very good. You don't really take it for yourself to watch it. You know, like we've heard your reviews tonight and show that you've been down and I might fucking love, mm. but I've heard your review and I'm like, nah, skip So that. you're saying we've ruined their... You've ruined Careers. everything. <laughs> you're ruining the industry. <laughs> really sorry. <laughs> that is an interesting point because it was, it was like a half hour long show, wasn't yeah. it? But the pace of it was, because it was Andrew Haig, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was Andrew Haig. And I think his whole thing is a deliberate pace. He, totally. It is, and unlike the show which we reviewed, which I think needed to be faster paced, yes. looking the, almost the brilliant thing about it was that it immersed you in a yeah. kind of atmosphere. I think if that it? show came out now, it would have a different response. hundred percent, yeah. Different it was response. ahead of its time. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah. And now you know, I think Andrew Hague is brilliant. His episodes of The OA, the greatest show ever made, um, were beautiful, yeah. absolutely beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You did have, let, me, let me bring it right down to a basic level, though. You'd have a huge amount of nudity. In looking, I did, you? yeah. Even by your standards. I mean, you're naked in practically every show you do. I am. You still didn't see my willy. But <laughs> there, there was an episode four in that where um, uh, I get penetrated. And I said to my mum and dad, well, my dad stopped watching after episode two. So I love you, son. Not for me. <laughs> my mum my mom was, I said to my mum, don't watch episode four of season two. She went, why? I said, because I just don't really want you to watch it. It's like, all right, I won't watch it then. And then about two, three months later, I said to my mum, I said, did you watch that episode? She went, yes, I saw your little bum going up and down. <laughs> I was like, God, there's no way back your mum seeing you get fucked up the arse on TV. Like, how do you come back from that? That's my little boy. <laughs> it's not getting fucked up the arse, he's dead. It's like, what's the choice? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Amazing. By Jonathan Groff of Mindhunter. Love. I mean, Love he you. is brilliant. Yes. Mind, I mean, Mindhunter is fucking incredible. Yes, I'm Absolutely. obsessed with him. Yeah. He is brilliant. And he but was brilliant in Hamilton. 
course. Yes. Read the, se- read the sex things thing. Do you, is, it, do you, is it an uncomfortable thing to do, though? Is it Because nowadays, they have, also, there's rules now, aren't there? They have intimacy you get an intimacy coordinator. Well, we have, yeah, well, so we did have to be sat down before you start filming uh, to sit with someone who would talk us through the, the legalities of When an actor and another actor love each other very much. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is what happened. Um, the legalities of it, because uh, that's very uh, big over there that, like, about legal side of that but no they, they do something called closed set uh, and then you have a little bag of gold so you put your bits into like you know the sheriff of Nottingham in Robin Hood when he came <laughs> <laughs> that's what your bits look like in like a little like suede pouch uh, and we're both kind of there in our suede pouches on set um, it's, but you have a closed set so there's not many people there and if you trust each other and you like each other or anything it's, it's quite you know quite fun I guess <laughs> but it, is yeah. the um, willy where you draw the line so, so to speak. Metaphorically speaking. Right. Um, um, I am yet to get it out on screen. Even in being human, didn't you in being human? I didn't naked. really see it. I think oh, someone okay. did a screen grab once. And it was oh. a little bit, but I, 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 I'm trying to talk about that because it was like minus five in the forest. <laughs> What's my penis? It's not my penis, that's a stick. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, there'll be a job one day where I'll be like full frontal but it's got to be worth it because that sort of shit just gets like screen grabbed everywhere doesn't it yeah. that you can't yeah. get away from any of that anymore and the amount of times I get people like direct messaging me images of myself naked <laughs> yeah and it's wow. like, and that's like, just Boyd I mean, yeah. like, <laughs> and my mum I'm a yeah, your poor mum your poor mum when you were filming looking you took your mum to one of those San Francisco street fairs so, my, so there's something called Folsom Street Fair which happens in San Francisco every year there are people there we go so we've got, we got, we got some LGBTQI people in the audience um, and it's, it's basically a pervert fair and my mum said uh, I said I want to come to San Francisco but I want to come when the pervert fair's on and I was like okay so my mum's like amazingly open minded I'll tell you another story in a minute about messing my friends in the audience um, <laughs> can I tell that story? Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> so I took my mum to Folsom Street Fair and she's there and she's walking around. I said, oh, look, there's someone having a wank over there, mum. She's like, where, where? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, that woman's getting whipped. Oh, God. She touch her. Does that hurt? The mum's like, yes, ma'am. She's like, okay, can I get a picture? Picture. <laughs> so some other guy, she went, I want to see someone who's got silicon in their balls. And I went, there you go, mum. She's like, oh, yeah, right, camera out. Like that. <laughs> anyway, so I put all the pictures up on Facebook with my mum before this stuff. She got reported. They got taken. <laughs> <laughs> got taken off. It's like, why? I was like, why do you think, Mum? So that went. No, my mum's incredibly, incredibly open-minded. I was, uh, am I going to regret telling the story? So I, my friend who's in the audience was uh, <laughs> on a date with someone who had quite a big willy, and apparently, and I texted him the next day, and I texted him, I said, hey girl, did you take that monster cock last night? <laughs> Kiss. <laughs> to my mum. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. Ignore that mum. Don't read that message. Delete, delete, delete. Message comes back. You're lucky I'm open minded. <laughs> Kiss. <laughs> Imagine. Yes, my oh my like, hey god. Hey girl. Did you take that monster car? And on that bombshell. <laughs> I don't know how we follow that, I'll be no, honest with you. you can't. Um, give us another review or something. Yes, Go, okay, nice. quick, quick. Yeah. Uh, all right, no, I think it's time. I think it's time for, let's be honest, the segment that has long been the highlight of this podcast, despite what Terry says. It's Banshee time. Thank you. 
Hey. <laughs> For the uninitiated among you, so this is uh, the Banshee segment, dubbed so after Jonathan Tropper's show of the same name, in which we pick a show or shows uh, from ages past that you may not have heard of, although that point's occasionally like negotiable. Um, like Darling Buds of May. And recommend it for your viewing pleasure. Now, now, I have a confession to make. It's possible I made a stop on the way here tonight. Oh. Oh, there we go. Yep. I made a stop at Charlie Brooker's former place of uh, employment, and it's time for a bumper banshee bonanza. So, so, and we're horribly overrunning, so I'm going to try and do this really quickly. Okay, let's see what we've got in here. Okay, right. First of all, we have Andromeda. Five pounds this cost me, <laughs> aka Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. <laughs> Anyone seen this? Anyone seen this? So, okay, this is from the creator of Star Trek. It starred Kevin Sorbo, Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, yeah, uh, as a captain of the Andromeda, which is a ship that gets caught on the event horizon of a black hole and gets stuck in time for 300 years. <laughs> and then, and then, and this is where, and then it, it discovers this whole galaxy when it comes out. There are, there are bat creatures called the Magog. There are Ubermenches called the Nietzscheans. And, and I can't emphasize this enough, there is a girl with a tail sewn to her ass. <laughs> Like, literally like a pantomime tale, and they realised it was shit, so we get shot off in the fourth episode. Uh, this inexplicably ran for five seasons and is unmitigated shit, but one of you will get this a bit later on. Uh, that's that, right. Next up, we have, for one pound, Roswell. Ooh, a bit of Roswell love in the room. Do you see Roswell? So, Roswell, this starred Catherine Heigl. William Sadler was in this. Colin Hanks was in this. Emily de Ravine was in this. Uh, and it was about, obviously, the Roswell aliens, except they look a bit like that, and they go to high school. So it was high school melodrama with weird alien shit in it. Now, this ran for, I want to say, three seasons, and it got cancelled because... Uh, do you remember Smallville? Remember Smallville? Yep. Smallville yeah. nicked its audience. So <laughs> it died because of Smallville. And fun That's fact... Awful. Yeah. Fun Tragic. fact. Tragic. <laughs> Tragic. At the rap party for this show, the final episode when it got cancelled, some wag put on Save Me by Remy Zero, which was, of course, the Smallville theme tune. Uh. Didn't go down well. Didn't go down well. Who says wag? I don't know. I do. Anyway, we're running out of time. 17 Next. minutes. Next, this is Lie to Me. Lie to Me. Did you see oh, this? Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Lie to Me. Now, this was Tim Roth. Tim Roth. Tim Roth. Love Tim Roth. Uh, and he played uh, Cal Lightman, and he's a guy who can essentially tell when people are lying. So it was a procedural, you'd love it. And uh, essentially it was him sitting in front of criminals saying, liar, liar, pants on fire, and them getting caught. And that was the whole thing. It sounds shit, it was actually really, really good. Uh, so I very much recommend this. For about three seasons, got cancelled, I was really gutted. There you go, Terry, you can have that. Thanks. Um, next up, this will end, I promise. Uh, sliders, anyone see Sliders? Remember Sliders? This cost me six quid. Um, this was Jonathan Rhys-Davis and Jerry O'Connor. Uh, and Serena Lloyd and they get sucked into a wormhole and then every episode for reasons that don't really matter they fall out of the wormhole and there's like an alternate but this is like a space wormhole not like a ground wormhole I mean it, it could be either it's not in but, a park no, no no it's not in a park it's, not like, a, it's like a sandworm from uh, Denny Villeneuve's Dune uh, no it's not that so and they get and they can I just say when I was explaining to, um, to Russell the format of the show I said, I literally said these words. I said, there's this bit called Banshee where we each pick like an old show. It takes two minutes. <laughs> it got cancelled. That's all you need to know. Right, that was fine. Next, next, next. Dollhouse. Dollhouse? Yes. Dollhouse. This was the show Joss Whedon did after Angel. Oh. Uh, and it starred Eliza Dushku as Echo and she was a doll and she lived in this sort of 
house. And uh, <laughs> they essentially programmed her with a new personality, like, each week, and she'd become a new person, so it was like a shit quantum leap. And, uh, but, but she started to remember things, and it all got a bit sci-fi, and then they were going to cancel it, but it was Joss Whedon, and they realised that people would kill them. So they let it run for two seasons, and then they cancelled it, and it finished. And that cost eight pounds! <laughs> anyway. Next. My Name is Earl. This starred... Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A character called Earl. Um, it was funny. There was a character called Crab Man. Um, next, next. Okay, Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. <laughs> did, did you know this was a thing? Have you ever heard of this? Yes. Okay, fine. Okay. So we these... own televisions. <laughs> Thank you, Terry. Uh, so this started Lena Headey as Sarah Connor, and it wow. continued after yeah. Terminator 2. It ignored Terminator 3, as no. all well, things should. Uh, and uh, it was what you think. Terminators tried to kill them. Uh, Sarah Connor falls in love with a paramedic. And, and I can't emphasize this enough. <laughs> John's Uncle Derek comes back from the future. This is absolutely true. John's Uncle Derek Reese comes back from the future to help him. Cancelled after two seasons, can't imagine why. Next, next, and we're nearly there, and we're nearly there. This is Unforgotten, this is absolutely not a banshee, but it's so good that I wanted someone in the audience to have it, so I bought that too. <laughs> Last but not least, actual banshee! Oh. <laughs> I went fucking everywhere to find this. Um, four pounds, this was Jonathan Tropper's show, it started Anthony Starr as Lucas Hood, he's kind of like a, an ex-con, sort of masquerading as a, as, a, as a sheriff, as a police chief, and uh, it's really violent, it's really, really inappropriate, but it's really, really, really schlocky and really good fun, it's the most Cinemax thing ever made, and someone gets to walk away with this as well, and that, quite literally, was my banshee. <laughs> Okay. Go on, I think, Boyd. Which show, which show ran from, this show ran from 2006 to 2007, only two series of it, but among the people that appeared in it are David Mitchell, Jonathan Ross, Alastair McGowan, Russell Brand, Joe Brand, Elton John, Omid Jalili, and more. The regular cast included Sharon Horgan and Rob Brydon. Oh. Rob Brydon's annually retentive. Which oh. also starred Russell Tovey. Oh, yeah, I was in that. And was. <laughs> you think you might have got that one? <laughs> and was this kind of weird, like Larry Sanders show style attempt to do that kind of genre of comedy where you go behind the scenes of the making of a TV show. And yeah. Rob Brydon was hosting yeah. a fake panel show called Annually Retentive. And it was all filmed at the BBC, wasn't it? Like behind the scenes. That changed my career, that job. It, it, I, I did I did Gavin and Stacey yeah. when we came back from doing the History Boys on Broadway and then I met Rob Brydon and that and he said will you come and do this role in Annually Retentive which Russell T Davis was watching and said wrote me the part of Midshipman Frame in the Christmas Doctor Who with David Tennant and Kylie Minogue which was the same production company then did Being Human which then did Him and Her and then after that it all just sort of changed yeah. so because of that it was yeah. I should and, have known that and no one, but no one remembers that show generally I even the people I were in it yeah. <laughs> and it was kind of improvised and I was in it I was in one scene yeah, I played myself and Rob Bryan was trying Sharon to get Sharon Horgan was in it Sharon Horgan was in it as well yeah. yeah and Rob Bryan was trying to get a good review in Heat and wanted five stars and he was literally trying to convince me in a scene um, to give him five stars yeah and you played his producer I did and it was, and it was a really, kind of quite a good weird yeah, kind yeah, of inventive yeah. show and all those people played guest star roles playing, mostly playing themselves like Elton John pops up at the end of an episode can we me talk about you though a bit more because yeah. so, you also um, fingered those knickers in um, Gavin yeah. and Gavin Stacey yeah, yeah. And yeah. so this is your second... In what? In what? Gavin and Stacey Christmas special, I'm in the, um, in the first He was scene, sniffing you know. knickers in M&S. Yeah. Not that he was touching them, he wasn't I'm sniffing I'm playing them, a store employee who's putting the knickers out in the, in the storeroom, yeah. What else have you been in? 
Um, well, like you know, stuff like the Luke, Weakest Link or something. But not. But those are the two like fictional. You've been things on the Weakest there. Link. I was like, a, I'm a celebrity. Were you the what? Weakest Link? Hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Hang on, you were on the fucking yes. weakest thing as a celebrity. As journalist, they like you know journalists. So like Paul, Paul Ross was on, he won, and yeah, bastard. Yeah, bastard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look wow. to him. Yeah, um, yeah, I was on what that. Else? But I'm much more proud of being on Rob Brydon's annual attendance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. else? I think that's about it. Yeah, I mean you know some bits home, of home porn and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Star yeah. Stories. So I was in Star Stories as, as um, what's her name's um, lawyer. You know Paul McCartney's ex, that woman. Um, that terrible woman. Oh, yeah. 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 Not, <laughs> not Linda. No. no. Heather Mills. Heather Mills. I yes. played Heather Mills' lawyer in Star Stories. Do you remember Star Stories? Yeah. It was Channel 4. It was really funny. I never actually. heard of it. Yeah. I was in that. Yeah. That's about it, I think. Right. Well, well, sorry to interrupt. It's not about me. Sorry. Like, this is uh, not we should have the Q&A. We should have some people. Do you want to ask some questions? Yes. Hang on. We, definitely, we need a winner of um, Banshee. Do you do, how do you do it? I decide. She decides. Yeah. We just pick someone in the audience. No, no, I decide. No. Oh, you just. Yeah. All right, okay. Sorry, Russell, that that wasn't no, no, explained fine. to you, but um, no, I decide. No. Please decide, please. Yeah. There can only be one winner of Banshee, <laughs> and that is Banshee! James has won! Can sorry, I sorry. I might watch it. I was going to give it to someone in the audience. Okay. You can't have it. You've been going on at me to watch this fucking thing for like I'll, I'll a year. I'll get you another one. Okay. I'll get you another right. one. Uh, right. So we got some. So we got some microphones. Yes, we have some microphones. Does anyone have any questions? Let's be honest. They'll all be for us, but that's absolutely fine. Yes, sir. Down here. Hello. Hi. Um, what is your favourite use of an entire piece of music or song in a sing- in a TV episode? Oh my god! <laughs> wow, Russell. Uh, <laughs> right, Play the time. Uh, an entire musical song in a TV episode. So it just doesn't stop. It's just an ongoing. I don't think that's happened. Uh, I don't know. Like fucking. Stop. I'll jump in. I'll jump in. I will say, uh, way down in the hole in The Wire, specifically the final episode of The Wire, where you get the Blind Boys of Alabama, you get that one again. Because obviously, you know, that song, it plays the theme tune to every season, but it changes each time. But that first one was always my favourite one. Uh, And they play that. It's beautifully sort of done to that montage in in the final episode. And I went to see the Five Blind Boys of Alabama uh, at the Jazz Cafe in Camden. They didn't fucking play that song, and that's literally the only reason I went. Oh, yeah, Snow Patrol in oh. Grey's Anatomy. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that was like, what's this song? That changed their career. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. It was about 15 years ago, yeah. yeah. They used to do that quite a lot. Did it? Was, there was a, there was a, in EI did, a, did one to Coldplay's Clocks, I recall, as well. They used to right, like right, a, right. a love a musical montage at the end of an episode, yeah. don't they? Um, it's not the whole song, but almost the whole song of Ordinary World by Duran Duran is in season two of the OA in a brilliant scene. <laughs> Always on brand. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> I can't think of one. Okay. Uh, yes, at the back there. James. Oh, God. Oh. Um, <laughs> did you get to go to Galaxy's Edge and how was it? <laughs> I have to say it was great because Disney paid for my tickets. <laughs> uh, yes, I did get to go and I did enjoy myself and I flew the Millennium Falcon and it was lovely. <laughs> um, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> oh, yep. Oh, hello, Russell. Hello. Uh, recently, I read a magazine. Let's talk about your writing a TV oh. drama show. 
right? Is there any sneak peek you can share with us tonight? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Something, I've, I, yeah, something's in the works, but um, it's quite exciting, but that's it. Yeah. Thank you, though, for bringing that up. <laughs> but you are writing a show. That's, I am. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's exciting. If you text Russell's mum, she'll probably... Yeah, she'll, she'll, tell, she'll tell you everything, yeah. <laughs> yes, at the very back. Hi, guys. Uh, Hi. I've, got, I've got two questions, one for the pilot team and one for Russell. Uh, pilot team, how do you think uh, um, reviewing TV shows compares to film, and which one do you prefer the two? And, Russell, yeah. uh, I need to know how much of what happens in years and years is actually going to happen because I really need to make plans. <laughs> uh, most of it, I think. Uh, hopefully not at the end of episode four for myself. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it seems like it's all coming through. Bits and bobs, he's like a prophet, Rusty Davis, isn't he? He's like Nostradamus. Mm. Some of the stuff he's predicted is actually occurring. So it's uh, scary, really. And then about reviews. Um, it's, 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 it's very easy to sound really, really like my diamond shoes are too tight doing this kind of thing. But like, so when you review a film, they invite you to a beautiful air conditioning screening room and they give you free food and drink and you watch it on the screen and it's beautiful. Sometimes you're the only one in the theatre and it's lovely. And then when you review TV, Netflix don't fucking let you see it. And <laughs> if someone does let you see it, you have to watch it on this tiny little screen with like, with normally with Boyd's name scrawled <laughs> across the screen in massive letters. Great. So, you know, <laughs> that's really fucking weird with some of the shit that we've seen. I can't begin to tell you. Um, and also, like, there's a lot of it. Like, there is so much shit that you have to watch. I mean, because you guys obviously watch a lot of this stuff as well, because everyone does. Like, it's quite overwhelming, the amount of TV that we all watch. But, uh, I mean, we watch a lot of telly, don't we? We do. I do think, though, there's a, uh, an element of dynamism to TV reviewing, which I think is the fact that often we're reviewing one episode or two episodes and what you're giving is your immediate response mm. to what you've seen. You're kind of, you're not sitting down often with an entire season with loads of context, being able to really frame it in the way that I think, for example, Empire um, does with film reviews. With, with film reviews, you know, you are looking at a complete piece of work and really digging into that and giving kind of one definitive take on that if you've been commissioned to review it. So I think, I think they are slightly different arts and I think they're slightly different beasts. I think, there, as I say, there's a kind of... It enables you to be a little bit, bit more nimble with TV and I think it can evolve. I think you can have one opinion after seeing two episodes and actually you can kind of refine and, and reconsider that opinion. I think with film it's slightly different. Would you, would you put another review out then if you did reconsider your opinion? Mm. Well, it's I mean, hard, isn't it? It's hard yeah. to do that. But I think I think TV is much harder because I think you know you know you've got the film and that's it. Yeah. yeah. You know you may change your mind over time, but with TV, like we had recently with me, Fossey Verdon, which we reviewed, yeah. Yeah. And I slagged it off. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. And then I, then everyone was going actually gets better and better. And then episode four or five when they all go they all go away together in the Hamptons, it's fucking brilliant. And I I did feel like I had to recant everything I said about it when did we you? just saw. Well, I'm like doing it now. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that no. means no. Yeah. Do you get annoyed that there's so much? content 
you're just like frustrated by it's annoying that you can't watch the whole of every series you have to review in a way yeah. and I think what you're saying about looking is so true because I think people jump to, to they yeah. go see one episode yeah. they don't know what necessarily how it's supposed to be from that one episode and if you see like four or five the whole also, thing also I get box set guilt and people are like you've got to stick with this because the end of season three it really gets better and I'm like I haven't got 109 hours <laughs> just yeah. to like work through something yeah. Yeah. and stick with it but it makes you feel really bad like we'll, we'll slag off sort of like a, a TV show because we didn't like the pilot but pilots are often finding their own feet and they sometimes are just a bit bad yeah. you know they're not as good as they could be and maybe it's the best show ever I mean genuinely I watched the pilot on the West Wing and I didn't necessarily like it we'll never speak of this again uh, a very long this is my favourite show of all time yeah. so you know but you I think it's, it is part we talk about this on the podcast a lot it's part of the problem with TV is people and it's kind of what you were saying earlier people watch one or two episodes go this is shy tell mm. everybody they know that it's shy and yeah. then it kind of stops people when you think I think god five ten years ago probably more like ten years ago you would allow a show to unfurl and give it time. Well, word of mouth wouldn't have spread as quick now because yeah. of social media. Someone goes at shit and everyone hashtags it and retweets it and then that's it. Yeah. You're fucked. Mm-hmm. Whereas back in the day, you know, you wouldn't have been yeah. able to do that. Which, what about, you know, slow burn shows that used to kind of dig in and, and it would really take watching the entire thing to kind of just really understand how fucking amazing it is. Yeah. Now it's like, you better fucking kill it in episode one or nobody's going to watch. Like, and it may lead to amazing stuff like The Bodyguard. We talked a lot about the first 40 minutes of Bodyguard being mm. incredible. Yeah. But that pressure I think on on filmmakers and showrunners and actors to kind of land a kind of dynamism and excitement and drama and action and everything in that first episode or people are not going to give it time I think is it must be really challenging in yeah. a lot of circumstances if only there was some kind of feature in Pilot TV magazine called oh, say, yeah. Give It Time, where we tell oh, people yeah. to stick yeah. with shows. <laughs> yes. Oh, I did put Fossey Verded in that, actually. There well you go. Then. That's what I did. There you go. Yeah. He's made amends. Yeah. Uh, we could time for a few more. Uh, you Then You. <laughs> I'm just making you run, really. <laughs> Keeping you on your toes. Oh. Uh, congratulations, Terry, on your book. Oh, yeah. oh, thank well, you. Um, when it ev- eventually gets to be a TV show, who mm. do you want to play you? For anyone who doesn't know, Terry has written a book. It is about Picard. It's an in-depth <laughs> exploration of the themes of the show. Um, somebody suggest it's a memoir, and somebody suggested James do the audio book. Yes. On Twitter. I think you'll find what Terry meant when she read this paragraph was. Uh, I mean, him, him, James, explaining my life so far just feels so fitting. Um, who would play me? Oh, God, Kathy Burke. Like, every, on any film, any show, any existence, um, I will be Kathy Burke. Daisy from Downton would be young Terry. I mean, she is like me, essentially. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Uh, yes, then. Yeah, yeah, hi. Sorry, you've essentially stole my question there, actually, inadvertently. I was going to ask... If any of you could play any character in TV, which would you pick and why? Buffy. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, just everything. The strength, the vulnerability, the drama, the hair, the outfits. (laughs) Buffy. James, Buffy? (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes, it is Buffy. Uh, I, I would like to say uh, President Bartlett from the West Wing, but I think we can all agree oh, come on. it's probably Alan Partridge. <laughs> Comedy uh, gold. I would be Ted Danson in Cheers. Oh, Ooh, good. Yeah, I'd that's like to play good. that role. I honestly thought you were going to say Ted Bundy then. <laughs> I was like, no, that's just, that's just in normal life. Bold that's just like, yeah, that's a life choice. Yeah. I mean, I am George Costanza in Seinfeld, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you are. I'm fine with that. That sounds fair. Yeah. Right, we've probably got about two more. Does anyone want to grab? Yes, someone over there. 
Uh, it's question question oh. for Russell. Oh, I was, hi. Uh, just wondering if there's any chance of any more him and her. Mm. Oh, I'd love to. Did you do you watch Mum? Did you yeah, watch yeah, Mum? Great. So many people who come up to me and say I love him and her. So have you watched Mum? And they're like, No, what's that? And I'm like, It's the same writer, the same product, like producers, everything. Uh, I'd love to. Absolutely, I'd love to. I'd love to see where Becky and Steve are now at and with the baby and all that sort of stuff and what's going on with Laura and Paul and all that. But I don't know if Stefan Goloszewski wants to do that anymore. I think he's done that, he's done mum, and now he's on to whatever he's on to next. So, but I'm, yeah, I would love to, absolutely. We still have time probably for one more. The, uh, the nerdy gentleman down there in the front row, <laughs> I believe, has his hand up. Yeah, hi. Uh, what have you done? <laughs> can we talk about Blue Bloods? <laughs> love it. The well, granddad is amazing. City on a Hill is kind of like Blue Bloods, but good. It is, yeah. What the fuck did yeah. you just say to me? <laughs> I'm pretty Unbelievable. Much. Yeah. yeah, I think we should talk about Blue Bloods. Uh, about an hour? An hour's worth of talk about Blue Bloods? Is that okay? Yeah, that'll be a special yeah? we'll do. Yeah. Okay. So not now. But uh, not now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can come up and talk about Blue Bloods. Uh, also, um, Gorilla Grodd is in Legends of Tomorrow and, go, and tries to kill Barack Obama. See, uh, there is a gorilla. I was how? not wrong. <laughs> Yeah. How can you diss Kevin Bacon on this day of all days? It's Friday the 13th. This is the 39th anniversary oh. of his tragic death at the hands of Pamela Furahees, you monsters. And, and Jimbo, how can you sit there and talk about Gillian Anderson playing Margaret Thatcher and not do Thatcher, Thatcher, man, milk snatcher? What is wrong with you? Anyway, thank you. Thank you. That's all I had to say. Thank you, Chris Hewitt. Can we, before we finish... Can we mention Russell's incredible podcast, Talk Art Podcast? Oh, yeah, thank which you, is, yes. Yes. <laughs> Where he has genuinely amazing guests. Lena Dunham was on, for example. Oh, really? Yes. For, like, 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah. That's that, that wasn't like, oh, my God, she's great, I otherwise wouldn't have listened to it. That's not what I was saying at all. I was just like, Lena Dunham. Yeah, it yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And many other incredible people, mostly actual artists, yes. generally. Yes. But it is brilliant. I've, I've learned a huge amount every week by listening to it. Thank you, boys. It's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. When does that drop? What day does it? Does it drops on Fridays. Fridays? Yes. Oh. Talk art, all one word. Yeah. Same day as the Empire podcast. Listen to that one instead. Uh, <laughs> and that is it for a very special live episode of the Pilot TV podcast. Thanks once again for giving up your Friday night to be here with us, but please can we give a big round of applause to our special panellist who also gave up his Friday night, Russell Tovey! Thank you. Thank you to The King's Place for providing this space tonight, and to the one and only Billy Lum who composed our glorious theme tune. If you've enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Uh, If you'd like to tell us how much you loved it in person, you can find us on the Twitters and Instagram, at James C. Dyer, at Terry underscore White, at Boyd Hilton, and at Russell Tovey. We will be back next week, albeit not in person. Uh, Until then, pilot out. (laughs) 